Hi, my name is Delano. Um, I'm new here at the Thim Corporation, and uh, to be completely honest with you, it hasn't been going that great. I uh, don't really like my job. As a matter of fact, I don't really like the company that much either. Uh, but, hey, any job that I'm at, I can make it work. You see, one of the major problems with the corporation is the management. That's why I fully intend on being a manager in, let's say, two weeks, tops. You see, I was in the bookstore the other day, and I read this management book. Well, I didn't read this management book. I actually read the back of the book. Then I went home to check the forms to see what everybody else was saying about this management book. And from what I understand, my managers, they're doing it all wrong. That's why I'm here. They don't know it yet, but that's why I'm here. You see, I believe you make what you're worth. And right now, I'm not making a lot, so I'm not working a lot. But I have a three-step plan to get me to that salary that I want. Are you ready? Okay, step one, look like you're working hard. It doesn't matter if you actually are working hard, you just have to look like you're working hard. Perception around here is everything. Step two, love the company you work for. You see, I love this company, and I love the management here. I, okay, he's gone. Step two, always lie about the company. All right, step number three, good looking people get good looking jobs. I mean, you see, now that you've heard my foolproof three-step system, you understand how I'm gonna take over this company, or as I like to call it, this white collar debt trap. You see, the first thing I'm gonna do is... Oh, I'm sorry. Can I help you? Uh, yeah, I need you to fax your S-1-2 reports. No, I'm in the middle of something. You see, like I was saying, the first thing I'm gonna do is fire all the lazy people. You know, the people who are not willing to do the menial tasks around here. So although things aren't going that great right now, I guess what I'm trying to say is, they're lucky to have me. Good. All right, so we are finished because it is lunchtime and this is the hardest that I have worked all day. We are in the final, uh, the part three of a series called God at the Office. I have absolutely loved the video sketches that they have done. Um, the first two, especially with that mustache guy. But um, they, they have been so funny and so quirky. And, and here, here's what we know about life is that 40% of your life is spent where? At work. Yeah, it's spent at work. And so if 40% of your life is spent at work, don't you think God might actually have something valuable to say or something interesting to say about what you do with your career? Because by and large, we kind of overlook that. We look at his work as a, as a means to an end, and we kind of skip over what might God be saying to me or working out in me or through me through my job. And here's, what we, here's a few thoughts that we've learned over the last couple of weeks is this, is God designed you for work. See, I thought work was a curse. You know, I thought when, when Adam and Eve sinned, you know, God starts handing out consequences. And one of them that God talks about is, you know, like thorns and thistles. And you have to sweat and work harder now and all that stuff. And I thought, so work, work, is, a, work is a curse. Because when we get to heaven, we're just going to float around like chubby babies with wings on. And it is just going to be a fun fest. And, and, and I learned that's not true at all. You, you don't get the wings. And you, I don't think you even want to be a chubby baby. And so 
What actually takes place in heaven is, and the, the scriptures allude to this, is that there's some level of work in heaven. I don't think it's, it's burdensome, but there's some type of work in heaven. And when we're at work in heaven, God says that, that, that we're rewarded in heaven based on how well we did our work here on earth. So how we do our work here actually matters a lot and has eternal consequences. And God designed us for work. God takes pleasure and delight when you work. So then how should we work? What is it about us and what should we be doing? We talked a little bit about character and we've talked about being a light in a dark workplace sometimes. But today, I wanna get real practical and I was thinking about this and I think I just always lean this way and I'm not sure why. Um, I don't do this necessarily always on purpose, but I find that when we do a series, we, we start out with real foundational things. We start building on those things. And then the final week of the series, we get really, really practical. So today, if you feel like, wow, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of scripture I'm going to throw at you. It's all biblically based, but it's going to be real, real practical day today. As we talk about, I'm going to make up a word. Are you ready? Promotability. Yeah, that's not a word. You know, I know, because when I was typing up my notes and I wrote promotability, there's no way you can type it to not have it a red line underneath it. And so, so I made that up. But promotability is what we will talk about today. So before we begin, bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray. Father, speak to us today. God, let your word challenge us, change us, rearrange us, inspire us. God, do what it is that only you can do. God, let us take the words of life. And like David said, let them, bury it, let them get buried into our heart, Lord God so that we might not sin against you. God, let them be buried in our heart, God, so that we may know you, we may follow your ways, God. Speak to us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we all said? If you have your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 39, and we're gonna look at an old school story, but before I get there, let me talk to you real quickly about what I mean by the idea of promotion. Now, some of you may not want to be promoted. Some of you like, no, I like my job just the way that it is, don't change anything. But for those of us in here who maybe own a business or in management or maybe just saying, I'm ready to go further, I wanna go uh, be able to make a greater impact, have a greater influence, have a greater responsibility when it comes to my, my work, this is the idea of promotability, that God wants to take you from here and begin to elevate you for his kingdom purposes. But there's some ways biblically that we get promoted and there's some things unbiblically that keep us from getting promoted. Can I get, amen, yeah, yeah. We've done those things. Many of us are masters of what not to do. You know what I mean? We can, we can probably sit here and we could all get into a big giant circle and we could all tell our biggest work blunders and we would all get to laugh and we'd all feel better about ourselves because we've all made a bunch of work blunders or mess ups or screw ups or mistakes or whatever it is. But today we want to talk about how do you get promoted and, and, and here's, let me give you a few thoughts just to kind of like whet your appetite. Here's, here's what I mean about the idea of promotability. There's some kind of laws that you need to know about and here, here's the first thing you know, need to know about promotability. You don't get promoted based on past performance. That's the biggest misnomer about getting a promotion in life. And typically that's the way we all think and that's the way most people think when they work a job. They think, I've worked really, really hard. I've been in this company X number of years, months, whatever it is. I've been performing really, really well, therefore I deserve a what? I deserve a promotion. How many of you kind of think that makes sense? But that is not true. You do not get promoted based on past performance. You know what I've discovered, and this is the secret of promotability, is that you get promoted based on future promise, not past performance. And that makes a lot of sense when we start to think about it, because then it's like, well, oh yeah, because they're not trying to promote you based on what you did. They're wanting to promote you based on what you can do for their future. And if you can't be somewhere new and perform better for the future and do something better for them in a new position, then there's really no reason 
to promote you. So it's not about your past. It's about do you have future promise? Number two is this. If you're more valuable where you're at right now than in that new position, they have no desire to promote you. Does that make sense? So here's, let me break this down. If you're one of those guys that say, well, nobody knows this job like I know this job. Uh, you might be in trouble if you want to promote. Now, if you want job security, be the only one that knows how to do what you do until that job becomes a dinosaur and then, and then you're fired. But it, that's job security. But promotability is this. You actually want to train other people to do your job so that they see that you have the ability to lead leaders and do things and go beyond the scope of what you currently do. But if you're one of those guys that you're the only one that knows how to do what you do, you're actually restraining yourself from getting promoted because they can't move you on because nobody else knows how to do what you know how to do. Um, number three is this, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna kinda end on this one and then we'll move forward, is this, is, is that promotions are actually not based on how good you are, this is huge, they're based on how good people know that you are. Does that make sense? Like you could be the best one in the entire division, you could be the best one on that team, you could be the, but if nobody knows that, does that make sense? So it doesn't matter how good you are, it matters how many people know how good you are. Are you tracking with me so far this morning? Just nod and smile. And here's, here's the problem. I'm not telling you to go out and brag or be arrogant or boastful. I'm just saying this. It's not a sin to let other people know what you're good at. Isn't that the idea that we even mentioned this last week? That Bible says, so let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. They don't see your good deeds. It's not helping them. So they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So I'm not saying go out and be um, arrogant and boastful and a bragging person, because that can be obnoxious. But at some point, you may need to let other people know what you've been good at or what you've accomplished, because it doesn't matter how good you are if nobody knows that you're that good. Everybody say, okay. And in light of all that, the idea that God, for some of us and many of us in this room, I believe this, is that God wants to take you to higher places. The Bible even talks about this, about how like there are some people who are destined to sit before kings. So I believe that God wants to promote some of you to put you into positions of influence and positions of responsibility for his kingdom purpose. So how do we do that? In Genesis chapter 39, one of the, my favorite stories in all the Bible, I mean, it is just the cool story. We all love a rags to riches stories, don't we? There's just something inspiring about it. This guy has the ultimate cooler than that rags to riches story because he's actually kind of rich and then he goes broke and then he comes back even stronger than ever. It's the story of a man named Joseph found in the Old Testament. So let me give you the context and then we're gonna get into the details of his life and how God used between God's favor and Joseph's skills and abilities. Isn't that where promotion really is? It's when God's blessing and your abilities converge. Now, if God just blesses, but you keep sabotaging your own success, you can't get promoted, right? And you could be the greatest thing in all the world, but if God's blessing's not on it, God can keep you wherever he wants you for all of eternity. And so you gotta have both of them converging, and you'll see this happen in the life of Joseph, that God is all over his situation, God is all over his life, God is completely involved in all the details of what's going on. But at the same time, Joseph has some unique skills, talents, and abilities, some of which he had to hone and craft and work on. So in Genesis chapter 39, here's, here's how we pick it up. So basically, there's a big family, and it started with Father Abraham had many sons. So Father Abraham, actually he didn't have many sons, he had one son named Isaac. Right? So Isaac then has two sons, Jacob and Esau, and then Jacob has 11 sons. 
These 11 sons, eventually one has another son, and they become the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is how the nation of Israel is formed. But it wasn't starting out as a nation. It started off as a family, and sometimes a dysfunctional family. So if you think your family's crazy, that does not disqualify you from promotion. Somebody say amen to that. Yeah, because we all got, every, every circus has clowns. So anyway, so, so Joseph is the youngest of the 11 sons. And for whatever reason, Jacob makes a very, very bad parenting move. And in his bad parenting move, he basically favors the one kid above all the rest. How many know that goes over great at Thanksgiving? Like when there's one kid that gets more favor, more attention, more money, more, 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 more. I mean, everybody loves that in the family, don't they? Like that's just what brings families together. And so, so sure enough, Jacob actually even does this thing where he buys his son this special, unique, really expensive coat. And, and then Joseph, Joseph has the, uh, the absolute wherewithal to wear it in front of his brothers and, and really, you know, really make things great amongst family. And he shows it off. And his brothers devise a plan. And the plan is this, let's kill him. Like you thought your family was bad. It wasn't that bad though, you're still here. So, so the brothers decide we're gonna kill him. And then one of them was like, maybe we shouldn't do that. Uh, that could be bad. Let's just sell him, let's sell him. That's better. So they sell him to like a, a band of like basically Arab gypsies. They sell him. These gypsies take Joseph down to Egypt sell him off to a guy named Potiphar. He later gets into trouble at Potiphar's house, gets thrown into prison, and then throughout prison, there's this unique dynamic where Joseph has the ability by God to interpret dreams. And so when Pharaoh has a dream that absolutely perplexes him and torments him, he starts asking everybody to interpret the dream. Nobody can do it. And finally, this guy remembers Joseph. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, there's a Hebrew kid. Now, he's in a deep dungeon right now, but we could get him. And I bet he could interpret your dream. And so sure enough, Joseph comes out and interprets the dream. And through all this, Joseph ends up being elevated from prisoner to prime minister of Egypt, which at the time, Egypt's the most powerful empire in the world. And so here you have this incredible story of God using Joseph and promoting him and putting him into a position of influence and responsibility for kingdom purposes. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to know how he did it because Joseph is truly one of those guys that is inspirational to me because this guy had the goods. Let's read and find out what he did. Number one is this. These are the, I'm going to say these are the six traits of promotability. Number one is this. Everybody say audacity. Joseph began with some audacity. If you want to be promoted, there's something in you that needs to have a little bit of go-getter. It has to have a little bit of a risk-taker. It has to have a little bit of let's take initiative, let's dream big, let's go for something cool. Because if you don't have that, then you may not have the ability to take on or to handle or move the company forward or move that division forward or whatever it is. You've got to have a little bit of audacity. You've got to have a little bit of get after it. And Joseph had that. And here's, here's the scripture. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 37, verse number 5, it says that Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. That just means they already hated you. Like when it says they hated you all the more, they already hated you. Like there's hate plus plus now. So they hated him all the more. And verse 10 says that when he told his father, as he had told his brothers, his father rebuked him and says, what is this dream that you've had? So this is the way Joseph's life starts, is God gives him a dream. Now here's what you need to know about dreams and visions and grand goals that you think God's put in your heart. Don't tell people. 
Well, don't tell everybody. Does that make sense? Like if God gives you an incredible dream and inspiration to go do something great, here's who you need to tell. Only tell the people that will help you achieve and accomplish that dream. Only tell the people that believe in you and will believe in your dream because everybody else has got a little bit of haterade on them. Everybody else has a little bit of naysayer. Everybody else has a little bit of Debbie Downer. Everybody else has a reason why you couldn't, why you shouldn't, why it won't happen, why you won't be able to, and how it's all gonna be thrown right back in your face when it's all said and done. That's most people. But Joseph had some audacity, and so God gives him this dream, and he's audacious enough to say, hey, I'm gonna tell you, and the dream is, <laughs> the dream is like how his brothers are gonna bow down to him. Never tell the people who are gonna bow down to you that they're going to bow down. Just, just let it become a surprise. So, and they hated him all the more. So, so here's the reality is you need some audacity. Here's what I mean by audacity. I'm gonna define it for you, it's this. And, and I've kind of just made sense of this, I think. The audacity is the courage to think big, to show initiative, and to take risks for a dream while facing the possibility of failure. You need to have a little bit about that in life, in your relationship with God, with what he's called you to do. Sometimes God calls you to do things that just require faith. See, faith, is, is, has to be connected to risk. If there's no risk, there is no faith, is there? It's certainty. Do you see the difference? Like you're just certain, you just already know. It's, it's like knowing the outcome before, it's like knowing my wife is the worst at this. She actually wants me to tell her the end of the movie before we watch it. Ladies, are you out there, you like that? You don't like the suspense, you don't like, you wanna know the end, of the, but then you never get worked up. You know, I, I like to get worked up in a movie. I like to sweat it out and, you know, and get all into it. My wife just sits there, just, just cool and calm and collected. Why? Because she knows the ending. She's a buster. So, so you, that's certainty. That doesn't require faith because there's no risk involved. And at some point, even in your job and your work, you need to have a little bit of audacity to say, I'm willing to take on big challenges. I'm willing to take on the biggest giant in the company, the biggest opportunity, the biggest obstacle, and I'm willing to go for it. I got some Audacity, not arrogance, but audacity. Number two is this, everybody say likability. Oh, that was weak. Everybody say likability. Likability, this is, this is how I'll define likability for you. I, I think that's a word. Possessing, look, I didn't say that promotability was based on how well you make up words or, or spell, okay? Likeability, I think likability is a word though. It didn't come up red. So likability. Likeability is possessing the attractive attitudes and relational skills that cause others to want to work with me. Have you ever noticed like you promote people you like? You, you, you wanna be around people that you like. I had, I had a pastor tell me flat out, he said, Todd, don't ever hire anybody that you wouldn't be willing to go on vacation with. Because like if you're not willing to be around them that long, you, you shouldn't hire them because you're gonna have to work with them. And if they're annoying and you think, but they're really talented, he said, you, you don't want them. Because you're gonna have to spend life with them. So here's the deal. You don't wanna be the person that nobody wants to go on vacation with, right? You wanna be likable. And this is what we're talking about. These attractive attitudes. Let me read for you Genesis chapter 39, verse two. So the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. That idea of found favor, another translation of the Bible will simply say, and he liked Joseph. How many of you like people that are friendly? You like people, that, what are, so here's the thing, and I, I have to work on these things all the time. 
What are the attractive skills that, that people are drawn to? Let me give you that. Are, are you drawn to humble people or arrogant people? Yeah, you're drawn to humble people. You're drawn. He, he, I'm going to give you, this is the real gem. This is the real secret. You want to be likable like other people. Let me say that again. If you want to be likable, you have to like other people. Isn't that ingenious? But we don't normally think like that. So I have to like you, not, not fake, genuinely in my heart, I have to like you. I need to be interested in you. I need to care about the things that you care about. I, I want to ask you questions. I want to find out more about you. And I want, because isn't that the opposite of, of, of humility anyway? It's pride where I make life all about me. And I don't really care about your deal. I care about my deal. But likability says I like you and I care about you and I'm interested in helping you succeed. And through these ideas, these likable traits, here's another one. Do we like cheerful people or do we like grumpy people? Yeah, we like cheerful people. I mean, it is simple. So like on your job, don't be arrogant. Don't be a grumbler. Be a humble person. Be, be a cheerful person. Here's another one. You like encouraging people or condescending people? Yeah, we, we all got people in our office. All, they always got a comment for everything. They always got something negative to say about something, about everybody, every decision that's made. As soon as somebody walks away, they just got the first negative thing to think about and to say about that person. Here's another one. Do you like people that are empathetic or people that just absolutely care nothing about you? Because like when you're having a bad day, you want people like, oh man, I'm sorry, well tell me what happened. You just want people that care and people that like you are likable. So you need to actually care and like other people. These are the attractive attitudes that other people really, really care about. Let's keep going. Number three is this. Everybody say capacity. Capacity is this, is if you want to be promoted, not only do you need to be likable, but you actually have, this is what capacity means. It means you've got potential for growth. Like you're not capped out. You've not already hit your ceiling. You have actually got more things that you can add, grow in. If you're one of those guys who say, look, I've been doing this job for 20 years and I ain't gonna do it no different. This is all I know. And I'm an old dog, I ain't gonna learn new tricks. Now it's not promotability. That, 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 you, you, you've reached your limit. But you remember, it's not based on past performance. It's based on what? Future promise. So if you wanna be promoted, you've gotta have a capacity to grow. Let's read the scriptures. The Bible says in Genesis 39, it's all just tracking together. Verse four continues and says this. It says, so Potiphar, the guy he's working for, Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Here, here's a great question to ask yourself. Is your company blessed because you're there? Now, if you're, doing, if you're in a company that doesn't sit well with your conscience, it's, it's hard to answer that question. But I'm, I'm assuming that you're in a job where, you know what, the, the company could be blessed just because you're there. Let's keep reading. The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. See, Joseph started out as a simple slave, was sold and was at the very bottom of the rung. But for whatever reason, and we can only speculate, and you'll see this again later in, in, in time, because see, when he's put in the prison, this is weird. Okay, let's just be honest, this is weird. Joseph is a prisoner, and he eventually works himself up to where the guy that runs the prison puts Joseph in charge. What in the world kind of skill and capacity do you have to have to where like they let you run the prison and you're a prisoner. 
That did, what was he doing? What was he, how trustworthy, how reliable, how much capacity did he have? He was honing all, what you'll see is this, how can you be the prime minister of the greatest empire at the time? You gotta have some incredible management skills. Where did he hone those? He honed those at Potiphar's house and he honed those inside of a prison and he was working on all of his potential and his capacity. He was, because listen to me, if you can learn how to deal with difficult people, you can deal with anybody. Who's more difficult than running a bunch of prisoners? That's gotta be pretty challenging. Running a bunch of servants and slaves that don't wanna be there, that would like to escape. You've gotta hone in your skills. So Joseph had incredible capacity. Here's capacity for you. It's the desire to keep learning so I can increase in competence and handle greater responsibility. Here's a great question I would ask you. Where are you learning? Where are you growing? Because if, if I asked you the question, you know, when it comes to your job, what are you learning and where are you growing? And if you don't have answers, what I can tell is this, is that you have plateaued inside of your career, that you're not growing anymore, that your capacity has shrunk and you're not expanding it. Because here's the reality, you need to be learning, you need to be reading, you need to be going to conferences, you need to be expanding what all you can handle and do if you want to get promoted. Number four is this, everybody say Reliability. Reliability, listen, let's, let's keep reading the, the verse in the story. Genesis chapter 39, verse six says this. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything, anything except the food he ate. Hey, that's what you call great, great people underneath you, isn't it? Like you're the boss. You're the manager, you're the leader, and they come to you and they say, hey man, what's going on? What, what, what's stressing you out? What are you worried about today? What am I gonna have for lunch? I mean, isn't that what the scripture said? He didn't worry about anything except for, is it gonna be a ham sandwich? They're not kosher. Is it gonna be a ham sandwich? Is it gonna be turkey? Is it gonna be wheat or is it gonna be rye? Is it gonna be like, I, I, I'm not, I'm so, I'm so trusted this guy. This guy is so reliable, so dependable. I, the only thing I worry about, what, is that, what am I have for lunch today? That's incredible. Let me ask you this question. Are you a reliable person? Can your boss entrust you with so much that the only thing he has to worry about is where he goes for lunch today? But if we want to be promoted, we've got to have that level of reliability. Let's, let's read it like this. This is the definition I wrote. Earning the trust of others by always keeping my promises and fulfilling my responsibilities, even if it requires sacrifice. See, here's what I believe. I believe that if you're a Christian, you should be the most reliable person in, in the organization. Like as, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, if you're working as unto the Lord, you should be the most reliable place or person in the entire place. You should have that level of, of, of trust that your boss has in you to where they can just worry about where they're going for lunch. That's how much you, you um, have earned their trust. That's how well you've done with your tasks. That's how well you've met your promises, met your deadlines, done everything that you could do. And this is in essence what you find from Joseph all throughout his life is that Joseph did his best and he gave his best no matter what the circumstances. Because let's be honest, you and I would have no desire to be great as a slave. Like I'm a slave, I'm gonna be great at it. I mean like the Lord would have to speak to me in an audible voice for, probably for me to get there. But not Joseph. And then he, he gets lied about. He gets lied and then they totally just throw him in prison on a bogus rap. And he goes to prison and I would have been like, man, bump this. I'm out. This is stupid. I can't believe God, why did you? I'd have been all kinds of angry and bitter, all kinds of folks. Not Joseph. Joseph is strange. 
He did his best. He gave his best. No matter what his circumstances. I'm going to be a great prisoner. That's promotability. Let's keep going as we wrap this up. Number five is this. Everybody say loyalty. Loyalty is this, and I'm going to go quickly. It's being faithful to my boss and to God when difficulty tests my commitment. It is being faithful to my boss and to God when difficulty tests my commitment. Look what happens to Joseph. The Bible says, chapter 39, verse 6, it says this. It says, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. Basically, he's like Delano, apparently. Uh, it, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care, and no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except for you, because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph has some incredible loyalty. He basically said, no, no, no. You're the boss's wife. I'm in charge of everything, but I can't touch you. And I'm going to be loyal to my boss. I'm going to be loyal to God. And loyalty, you got to admit, loyalty is a, is a shrinking thing in our current society and culture. We is, even, even in the job place, we have less loyalty to our company, less loyalty to people. It is shrinking every single year. It just seems to go down further and further. But I'm telling you, if you want to be promoted, be someone that's loyal. Because here's the reality. Your boss is typically the one that will make sure that you get promoted. And if you're not loyal to him, it's hard to get promoted. If you're not a loyal person in general, it's harder to get promoted. You can have all the skill and talent in the world, but if you stab other people in the back, if you step on other people to get what you want, people won't trust you. I mean, think about it. One of the biggest ways we see this broken inside the workplace is gossip. Like when you think about disloyalty, you start thinking about gossip. Like, you should never be talking about the boss. You should never be just throwing every Hail Mary bomb and cuss word, and you know this, and he's horrible at this, and she's terrible at that, and she's just at this, and you're saying that to all these people. You have no loyalty whatsoever. And, and do this for me if you want. Go read all the scriptures that the Bible say and talk about referring to gossip. You know what you'll find? God hates it. There's, he, he's got a special place in, 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 in his hate box for, for gossip. He, he hates it. It is an awful thing to him. And so here we have in the workplace, we have all these opportunities where we get to talk about other people. And, and here's what you need about other gossipers. The people that are gossiping, you need to know this about them. When you leave, they talk about you too. Here's what else you need to know about gossip. Just by you entertaining and listening, you're partaking in it. Like walk away. Shut it down. Just say, hey, look, I'd rather not go there. Just, just you, you, because as soon as you engage in it, you become a partner with it. And what people are looking for are loyal people because it's in such high demand, because uh, loyalty is shrinking inside of our current society. Number six, and it goes uh, hand in hand with it, is this. Everybody say integrity. 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 Listen, listen to the definition of this. Integrity is practicing in secret the values and beliefs I claim to hold in public. Let me say that again. Practicing in secret the values and beliefs I claim to hold in public. See, there's, there's a little bit of a misconception that we think integrity means honesty. That's a part of it. It's not the whole thing, though. Integrity actually comes from a root word, integer, which means one. All of us math people, one. And what it means is this. When you're an integrous person, it means that you're one. Because we have a problem today where we, we're not... Integrous, we're, we're segregated, meaning we, we're, we, we have many components and we compartmentalize our life. This is, this is how we do it in, in our world. Well, I'm one way at church, and then I'm another way at home, and then I'm another way when I'm around the girls or when I'm around the guys, and then I'm another way when I'm at work, 
or I'm another way when I'm at school. And we got all these different personalities and masks and ways that we are around other people. And integrity says this, I am what you get right here. Like what you see is what you get. This is the way that I always am. I'm not two-faced. This is, I'm one-faced. I will always be this way. I will always be this consistent. I'm gonna tell you the truth. If I say I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it. And that's where I'm gonna be. And because of my integrity, you know that you can trust me. Listen to the scripture and we'll close here. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 10, it says that, that though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Isn't that amazing? Did you notice? Not only did he refuse to be with her or, or, or to sleep with her, he said, I'm not even going to be in the same room with you. The same, I, and you know what he was doing? He was setting up boundaries to protect himself. He was setting up boundaries to say, I'm not even going to put myself in a position where we could fall into that trap. I'm not even going to get along with you where I could actually be overwhelmed in the moment and you just, I'm not going to do that. And she actually had to set a trap for him to really get him into a place of compromise to where she lied about him. He never slept with her. She lies about him and gets him thrown into prison. But he held on to his integrity the entire time and even set up boundaries so that he wouldn't fall into the temptation. And this is what you and I, we need boundaries in life. Like some of us, we fight so hard to stop doing certain things. Can I help you real quick here? It's not that you lack the strength. None of us lack the strength. So that's not even on the table. What it is is we lack wisdom. Many times we fall into the same old temptation, the same old trap of sin, not because we're not strong enough. We're, none of us are strong enough. That's not the issue. It's because we're not wise enough. If you're wise enough, what you'll do is you'll say, well, I know I always get into trouble when. When I'm there, when I'm with that person, when I'm going there, when I'm with her. When, so what, here, here's what I need to do. You're not strong enough to be in those environments and still say no. None of us really are. You know what the key is? It's being wise enough not to ever get in that environment. That's where, we, you know, it's, it, you're like, you beat yourself up and you say, I wasn't strong enough. Well, duh, we're all weak. None of us are strong enough to overcome sin, especially sexual temptation. This is what Paul told Timothy. He said, run from sexual temptation. You're not strong enough. You're not. We all have a confession here. I'm not strong enough. We're not. God doesn't want you to be strong enough. He wants you to be wise enough to create boundaries to run, to create a door of escape and get out of there. And that's what Joseph does so that he can hold on to his integrity. And this is what we all want in life. We all want the ability. We all want to, you know, for God to increase our lives and for God to promote us. I'm telling you, it's when your abilities and his blessing converge. You gotta have both. So here's the deal. You can't control the blessing of God. But you can control the talents and abilities that he's given you, and you can work on those and hone those and make those better. Here, here's the question I'm gonna ask you. Is, is if you have audacity, here's the question you need to ask yourself. Is where do I need to step out in faith? And maybe it's just a personal question. Maybe it is on your job, but where do I need to step out in faith? When it comes to likability, here's the question you need to ask yourself. Do I really help others succeed? Do I like other people? When it, when it comes to capacity, you have to ask yourself, am I improving myself daily? Like, am I working on me? Am I learning, growing, reading? Am I increasing my capacity? When it comes to your reliability, do you get the job done or are you quick to make excuses? Reliability. When it comes to loyalty, you gotta ask yourself, am I a gossip? Am I talking about other people? Am I talking about the boss? And then lastly, it's integrity. It's 
It's am I the same all the time? Am I setting up boundaries to protect myself so that I can always be like this? I'm never having to like clear my conscience because of what I did. No, no. My conscience is clear because I know that I, when, God, when I was in the presence of God, I did what was right. When I was in the presence of my boss, when I was in the presence of my friends, when I was with my wife, wait, wait, I did what was right. And I didn't change and I didn't waver and I wasn't one way with them and then two-faced and saying something different over here. I was the same. Because I'm telling you, when you begin to hone in these things, God can promote you to great places. Here's the, here's the big deal. If God is going to promote you and if you want God to promote you, you've got to be able to handle where God places you. You have to think about this. When Joseph was a young man and he just had the dream and he just had the coat, could God have promoted him to prime minister right away? He had to go through the fire. He had to work on some things. There were some, probably some character issues or some personal issues. We, we don't even know all the details. But we do know this, is that God took him through the flames and honed in his skills, honed in his abilities, so that when God's blessing and his abilities converged, it was a perfect moment for God to elevate him to a position of influence and responsibility for kingdom purposes. I believe that God wants to elevate so many of you. I believe that your job and your workplace would be so much better if you were elevated. If you were really submitting to God, allowing God to work on you and in you and through you and God elevated you. See, here's what you need to know, is that God blessed Potiphar. He was a pagan. Worship God knows what. And yet God blessed him, not because of Potiphar's sake, but he blessed him because of Joseph's sake. See, I think, I think you, in the right position, in the right place, if you would hone in your abilities and allow God's blessing to converge on that, that God would put you in places of responsibility and he puts you in places of influence so that you could have a greater kingdom impact. But we must show ourselves trustworthy and faithful. Let's pray this morning. Father, we, we thank you, God. I don't know that this message was for everybody. I'm sure parts of it were for everybody. But God, I think there was, there was a good number of people in this place that God, you want to elevate. That God, you want to promote. That God, you want to put into place. God, I think there's some people that you want to set before. People of incredible importance. People of incredible influence. God, you might want to set some of them before kings. God, I pray that God, you would help us to hone in our abilities and our skills. God, that your blessing would converge on that. And that, God, you would do even greater things through us, Lord. God, that is my prayer, God, for these people that are yours, God. We ask that your blessing be over them, Lord God, as they work, as they hone in those skills, Lord God. We thank you for what you'll do, not just in their past, God, but for the future promise that's all over their lives, Lord. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. 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 Yeah. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?